Have you ever had a moment that shattered your best laid plans? Yep, shit happens. You're lost and not sure how to pick up the pieces. Discover a higher level of results when you join the Fab Five as we take you on a weekly adventure shifting you beyond your best plan. We reveal how to elevate your mind, body, and spirit and create a harmonious life. The Fab Five is passionate about making the world a better place. Through sharing our gifts, talents, and stories, you'll obtain the resources, strategies, and tools you need on your journey of healing and growth. Step into your authentic self, moving beyond your best plan. And welcome today. We are talking about a subject that is near and dear to my heart, and it is called The Game of Life. With me today, I have Sarah, I have Catherine, I have Whitney, and Kathleen. All five of us are here today. And we're just super excited to talk about this because we sometimes feel like life is so heavy, complicated, there's always a problem, you know, that type of thing. And there was a new thought author from the early 1900s, and she is one of my favorite. Her name is Florence Scovel Shin, and I'm going to share with you why she's one of my favorite. There was a book that was published in 1925, and it's called The Game of Life. And I think life is a game. I think it can be fun. And the way that I've shifted it to a game, I used to think life sucked. <laughs> so I have dramatically shifted my viewpoint on life and my life has changed due to that. Okay. And I started to study like, why do certain things happen? What's the underlying root cause? And Florence Scovel Shin specializes in that. And so in the book, The Game of Life, there's several chapters, and but we're, I'm going to focus and, and I invite everyone to focus on this or add to it, the law of karma and the law of forgiveness. Okay. So I'm going to open this today with, you know, the law of karma, we reap what we sow right? We reap what we sow, whatever you do to someone, you get back into yourself. And when I began to be aware of this, I began to think about my reactions to people because I was like, am I acting in a way that I want to get that back toward me? If that makes sense. Like, am I treating you in a way I want to be treated? Because we have a responsibility as we awaken spiritually, the more that we know, the more we are responsible to walk in what we know and what we have discovered. But the cool thing about this is the law of karma. You can either be under the law of karma or the law of grace and forgiveness. And when I discovered that, I was like, bonus, bonus, because, you know, karma seems to go on forever, right? Like, it's like, some of you may believe that we've lived multiple lifetimes. Some of you may believe we have not. I believe we have. And can you imagine all the times I've screwed up? I mean, I, I'm here to tell you, it's quite a few, right? Like, and all that coming back to me. But the cool thing about it is I've begun to look at everyone else, not from, I only like you if you like me, not from that aspect, but look at you. I choose to love you regardless of whether you like me. I choose to love you regardless of the state that you are in, in how you are being at that moment. Now, that doesn't mean I will create an incident with you where you can do something to me because I believe that we allow everything or we don't allow it based on what we believe about it. However, isn't it a beautiful thing when you can start to look at someone and step out of the karma and go directly into grace and think about that if we read what we said, because karma is like a boomerang. I mean, you throw it out there, it's going to bite you in your butt, come right back to you, especially if it's not good. If you throw love out there, let it come back to you all day long, right? So I feel like it's a choice, but Florence Scovel Shin opens this up into a deeper conversation and begins to share with you the power that is within you over your spoken word and over how you can apply it to your life. So ladies, do you um, have any comments on this? I was just about to interject. You said the boomerang, that was beautiful. And karma actually is Sanskrit for comeback which I thought was, I did not know that. And I love that. She opens the chapter a couple of paragraphs in with that little nugget of information. And whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And for me, this has, karma has been a way of living for me, a way of thinking, a way of doing life and a deep belief system. Like I am present to like the thought of, I don't want to do that because I don't want to call that into my world at all. Yeah, no, I love that because like you're, consciously, belief, yes. yeah, you're consciously thinking about what you're doing, right? And, and that's a level of awareness of spiritual growth. That's amazing. And how it impacts the person and sort of the world and selfishly my own world of not wanting that. And even my thinking, right? Because we are powerful manifestors. And like, even when like thoughts come into my mind from whatever part of the brain, it's like, no, delete, delete, cancel that, get out of here, you know? And because there's power of manifesting thought 
through thought and action. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you brought that up, Catherine, because your thought wave is just as powerful as your words. Thought waves move out, they affect the ether, people pick up on them. And there is a teaching in one of the sacred books called the Bible. It said, you know, if you're thinking about cheating and you haven't done it, but you do it in your your mind, it's as if you've done it. So, and, and that's not to go, oh, just for that. What the point of that story was is to share with you how powerful your thoughts are. And reality actually starts within you, not without. And so that's a really good point, Catherine. That's awesome. Yes, she says in the book, man's thoughts deeds and words return to him sooner or later with astounding accuracy. I love that we're talking about this because I see karma, love, and compassion all as one, really. And I go back to what Claudette mentioned earlier is that some people believe or don't believe that there's earlier lifetimes. And I believe that there are multiple lifetimes that we continue to come back for. Our soul never dies. Our soul is an energy. It never dies. It's, It's our body that dies. And I believe karma comes from multiple lifetimes. And where love and compassion comes in is when we get to complete that karma. If it's something that we're carrying that it's no longer serving us, it's no longer of the highest and best for all, then we get to choose to see it and address it with love and compassion. And now that I share that, I also know that it's not always easy to keep our thoughts in that love and compassion. There was in a situation this weekend with my daughter and she was in a wedding and she ultimately was one bridesmaid that was separate from all the other bridesmaids. And there are many reasons around that. And so holding no judgment today. However, when my daughter called me crying and her feelings were hurt and there was all kinds of things around that, I had a hard time in staying in love and compassion for what occurred to my daughter. And then I quickly, because I'm conscious enough to catch my thoughts, I'm conscious enough to know when I'm not in alignment with my higher self. And I allowed, I allowed myself not to be in alignment because that's what she needed at that moment. That she needed to know that I was supportive. I was going to be there with her. And then eventually we were able to have the conversation to just be the higher person and be in love and compassion for yourself. And then that, that flows outwardly. And so I don't see them separately. I see karma comes up for us, both positive and challenging. And we get to choose how we want to see that. We want to address it with love and compassion or we want to continue the turmoil and chaos and uh, negative energy around us. So where we get to come back again, or that gets to come back again and again and again in this particular lifetime over and over and over until we are able to complete that karma lesson, so to speak. I think we're kind of saying similar things. I mean, I love it that we have differing opinions and thoughts on here. I love that. To me, karma happens until there is grace and forgiveness. And once you're in the state of forgiveness, you know, the karma is no longer needed. So you're no longer under the law of karma. You're under grace. And I think it's a, a shift of going from karma and judgment and all this stuff to grace and forgiveness and grace and forgiveness, you know. So same saying, you've learned the lesson, you no longer need it, and you move into that. What What are some of your other thoughts, Sarah, Whitney, and well, Claudette, I was actually going to ask you to expand a little bit more on the grace and forgiveness and how you got there and, and what that means and how you're actively using it. Okay, I'll be more than happy to. So for me, if someone does something to me or something happens, I've taken the position that all comes from me. I've taken the position that we're all growing spiritually in our soul and we're evolving. And um, we, we bring things into our life or we don't. Um, and it's all in frequency with the other people that are in our life. So let's make that real simple. If I have a fear of rejection, I will be around people that can reject me. That, you know, I'll draw that in and I'll see that rejection over and over, right? Until I get truth about my fear of rejection and then I don't have it and then I won't be rejected anymore. That's kind of how it works. And so if I'm not just getting back at people doing something, you know, spiting someone because they spited me, if I'm looking at it as, oh, that happened to me, but did it happen to me or did it happen from me? So what do I believe that even allowed it? That puts me in a position of power versus victim. And I'm responsible for my soul's evolution. And then I'm responsible for holding all my brothers and sisters also. And so I step out of judgment. I step out of getting you back. I step into the truth for myself. What do I believe that even allowed this experience in my existence? Once I get the truth on that, I step into forgiveness and grace. And it really just cancels the whole thing out. It's like I've, I've stepped out of any need for karma. I've learned the lesson. You know, in a past podcast, I said the world is, is a mirror to us. We're here. This is like a big feedback loop. Everybody helps everybody co-create. We had said that on another podcast. Well, we're co-creating. We're giving each other feedback. So instead of looking at someone as an enemy, 
look at them as a good, wonderful, beautiful feedback so your soul can evolve and become stronger. Claudette, I'm curious though, is it really forgiveness? Because do we really have anything to forgive? So just to go a little bit further, is it just holding them in compassion because of understanding and knowing what each of us are experiencing and loving and being part of and what our growth is? Is it really, for me, it's about compassion more so than forgiveness because who are we to forgive anybody? Well, I mean, that really depends on what's in your soul, right? Do you have unforgiveness? Then you need to forgive. If you don't have unforgiveness, there's nothing to forgive, right? And I think it's how our soul evolves. Like for me, something can happen now and I really don't need to forgive because I'm not holding any unforgiveness. So forgiving is a release of the energy and that connection between you and it's releasing everybody to grow. Unforgiveness is very toxic, but that's why it's called the law of forgiveness and grace. So you could hold them in great. You could hold everyone in grace. You might not even need to forgive them because if you're not getting triggered by what they're doing, then there's no forgiveness needed. If that makes sense. Thoughts for anybody? Yeah. I forget this is definitely present for me in the conversation. And like she writes, using calling on the law of forgiveness to neutralize a situation. And so that speaks to me because what what I was thinking about as you all were speaking into this, like how I in moments can get like into judgment about a situation, a person, how they're showing up, letting it affect me, judging them on how they're showing up, even blaming them at times. Like this was a big breakthrough for me a week or so ago at an immersion event that I was at and like how it threw me off my game. And so then I wasn't showing up how I wanted to show up and I was blaming. And there was a lot of learning in that, that I feel like the universe served me up to learn and grow from and how, you know, sort of forgiveness and of them and myself for judgment, like how it can just help me because then it's like, I'm not showing up how I want. And then that like starts to mess with my mind as well. So like forgiveness and to neutralize and sort of get back into my heart is a takeaway and present for me in like that conversation. That's extremely powerful. Absolutely. I got my copy of this book almost 20 years ago. I got it at a garage sale. I had never heard of it. Don't know. I obviously something said I needed to get it. It wasn't like I was looking. I was like, oh, hey, a copy of this book. Let me get it. But I bought it. And at the time I was going, it was a little past, it had been divorced for some time, but we were still going through lots of drama. And I was at a place where I just sort of wanted to be done with that aspect of my life. And I wanted to move on. I wanted peace in my life, but I hadn't gotten to a place of forgiveness. And I certainly will say that I had in my head some thought of what I was going through was my karmic debt for, you know, X, Y, and Z that I had done. And sort of, I deserved some of what it was going through. Some of it, I didn't think I deserved. I thought was over the top, but some of it, certainly I was drawing an energy of, I deserve this. If for no other reason, then I chose dude. Um, And so as when I read it, the entire book, but when I got to this chapter and I have read the book several times over the course of the last 20 years, we actually did book club on this, right? And had opportunity to talk through the concepts, which I hadn't really done before. I'd read it, but not had conversation about it. And some of how my life has changed because of the book is for me, I don't think there is such a thing, but I'm going to call it, this is the law of non-expectation. And I have stopped expecting things of people, not in a way that if you say something that I don't expect you to hold your end of the bargain, but I stop putting my expectations on people, right? What I think they should be, how I think they should act, what I think they should do. And it's a continuing journey. I'll put it that way. It's a continuing journey to constantly remind myself that it's not my job to expect people to be anything other than who they are, as they are, to accept people where they are in the moment. And what I get is to decide who and what I have in my life, how I expend my energy, how I give my time, my talents, my gifts. And that makes it possible for the grace piece to happen, right? So if I don't lay out the expectations on the front end, then there, there is no conflict. There's no drama. There's nothing there. If somewhere I do, because I'm human and sometimes it gets ahead of me, when I get to that point and I go, hey, then the grace can come, right? At the same time, recognizing that the law of sowing and reaping 
which extended becomes sort of that law of karma and feeling of karmic debt is that I get to extend that forgiveness and grace to myself to shed that and let that go. And so I accept that what I put out there, I get back. But I also know that nothing has any meaning other than that which I give it. So that I don't have to, and I don't look at, oh, life is piling on. When you think back to last year, or back to 2020, and people feeling like, like it's like one thing after the other, right? There was the pandemic and then there was the racial upheaval and then there were murder hornets. And then there was, you know, it was like, people was like, oh, it's just piling on. It's, like, it's not piling on. Going back to your point, Claudette, which is not just that life is not happening. It's happening for you. From, from, from me, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, minimally, you look at it like that. You put those things together and you get to pretty much navigate life from a place where you are pretty non-judgmental. You're pretty un bothered by the things that people do, right? Because it's not, it's, <laughs> because it's not, it's not about you. <laughs> and when you can approach things from that's somebody else's thing, it's not about you. It makes it possible to just really enjoy life a little better. So, I love what you're saying about that. You know, it's, I'm laughing. We're doing chat to each other a little bit, but just reinforcing, reinforcing what we're saying here. But Whitney, I like what you said. It has the meaning you give it. Because, you know, the example of that is you can have two kids raised by the same parents and those two kids go through the same dinner every night. They do a lot of the same stuff. The parents kind of parent in the same way for at least until they don't, until they've adjusted to the kid's personality. And those kids are going to tell you completely different viewpoints about their childhood. One could say it was amazing. The other would say it was terrible. And, you know, I've had several parents say that. So really it is. And that's because we filter everything through our beliefs, right? Like whatever we believe about something, it it makes it very close to to that belief. We try to shape and contort it to, you know, match what we believe. So our belief remains true, right? Right. Because we're also looking to, I guess that's that part of our brain that helps us to see things as such so that we are protecting ourselves, even if we don't need protecting from something, right? If I I continue to tell the story of how I would, you know, from your childhood scenario, if I continue to tell the story of how, you know, I was wronged, you know, my parents treated me so bad and everything that, every story I tell proves that, right? Where someone else would come along and say, oh my God, that was amazing that you got to do that. And it's like, what, what are you talking about? And so for me, and it's been, I guess it's three, a little over three years from now. I wish I could take credit for it. It's from, I heard it at Tony Robbins. I don't know if it's original to him, but it, that statement, nothing has any meaning other than that, which I give it really has flipped the script on how I see things. And it makes me stop and think about what are you making this to mean that it doesn't mean, right? That there are incidences that happen. There are events, there are circumstances, but if I look at them and this is what happened and it doesn't mean anything other than this happened, that I get to go, it makes it possible again to operate in a state of grace and forgiveness. And I think this goes to a point, I don't know if it was Kathleen or Claudette, you guys were having the back and forth about whether or not the, the forgiving was necessary in the first place. It's only necessary if I make some decision that make some determination that something happened that requires that may not have required that at all. That's a really good point. Sarah, do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, the mental shift came in when I started really assessing everything was happening for me in my favor. And that when I recognized it from that viewpoint, then I was able to reapproach with grace and forgiveness and understanding that it was the right thing in that moment too. you know, just a pure acceptance that uh, whatever it is that's difficult in that moment is happening for me. And I now look around and I hear people you know, oh, my whole day's gone to shit. And, you know, this person did this and this person, you know, caused this and everything is happening against them, right? In that moment. And that's, there's so many people that exist in that space. It's easy to stay in that space, you know? It'd be super easy to do here if I got into a attitude every time I got in the car because there was traffic. I would be screwed. I literally would be screwed because there's traffic all the time here and there's a lot of it. And so, you know, the power for me, let's just even use traffic as the example, was accepting that I'm exactly where I need to be in the moment I need to be there. And that if traffic is backed up, 
that's where I need to be in that backup. That's acceptance, you know, of, of what's happening in that moment too. It's, it's what I would add to the conversation as well. And that things are happening for us, not against us. And that just offers just so much release and freedom in your daily life of how you're approaching it. You're letting go of the resistance to life, right? The more that we resist and push and really try to force and navigate it on our term, you know, in that moment is really when things kind of push back. But the moment we release into it and create acceptance in that space is then when I think that we're able to assess what we need to learn from it and move past it and never go there again. You know, that, that is to your point, Claudette, you know, the spiritual journey of, of evolution and growth as we become higher in our understanding. Um, you know, there's a whole chapter. I think we're going to have to address this book again because it's got a lot of gold in it. There's a whole chapter on the law of (laughs) non-resistance. So you just segue into (laughs) what we may address the next time, you know, because it's true. Whatever we resist persists. That's another thing that Tony says. And when he said it, it caused me to research that law, you know, and when I really began to understand that law fully, I was like, crap, no wonder some things have been bad, right? Because if we don't follow the universal law, which always remains true, we experience the inverse of it. And that's like getting, you know, our butts kicked from it. But, and people will say, oh, God's punishing you. Well, that's nonsense. It's where God ain't punishing you. You just went against a spiritual law that just has to remain true. And it just kind of slapped you on your butt. And all you got to do is readjust and understand that. So there are consequences to everything, right? And and, and it just is. There are consequences. And I think when we accept that, not in a judgmental way, not have to be, you know, the harshest consequence ever. They're just consequences. You're being present with what's being presented, right, Whitney? Absolutely. Absolutely. You're present with what's presented. Instead of fighting against Sarah, you had a great point. I love what you brought up about the traffic because the stress and anxiety and chaos and all that, you want it to be different than it is. That's what's creating the stress. And the fact is, if you're present with what's being presented, what can you get from that? What can you create from that versus fighting against? I bet she's a lot happier driving now. I bet she is too. (laughs) Guys, no, for real. I never have any issues with traffic anymore. Like I don't, there, oh my, there's just, oh my I'm with you on that, Sarah. Absolutely. No, so she's, not like creating. she's not exactly. creating. So that's where I say from you, if you're not focusing your awareness on it, making it stronger, you'll have less. I mean, you just don't notice it in your world anymore. Like it's and then bump up some music, have a dance party while you're there and yes. watch the people around you, watch the faces of the people around you who you can see are seething about the traffic. Right. And you're like in your car partying and, ha- you know, having a good time. And people are looking at you like, what the, and it's like, you know, it's traffic. It is what it is. And it ripples into other areas of your life. I was super conscious on my road rage and wanted to shift it. And I feel like the ripple, there's just how we show up by ourselves in our car, right? Like, is like, if we can kind of get that under control, we can ripple that in to how we show up in a more calm, grounded way and creating better things coming in, like green lights and no traffic. You know what? You can't spiritually evolve and help your brothers and sisters when you're calling them freaking idiots. from. Right. Like, well, I mean, it's just not, it, it doesn't go hand in hand. So does anyone have any final things you wish to say about the book, Game of Life by Florence Gogolshin? Uh, read it. Get yeah, it. Read it. Read it. And you're probably going to have to read it. Apply it. Times, right? <laughs> yeah. Listen to it in your car. <laughs> there you go. Listen to it. Yes. You can even, there's a, I think it's downloadable as a PDF. I bought the book, but I saw a PDF online after I bought it, which is fine. I like to hold a book in my hands. If you like to listen to a book, it is just worth it. It will begin to shift your whole entire world. So with that, we thank you for joining us today. We love you and we appreciate you. The Fab Five thanks you for joining us today as we assist you in moving beyond your best plans. We just ask that this week you find one way to step into your authentic self. Listen, review, and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. You can find us at beyondyourbestplan.com. See you on the other side of your best plan.